Well, Linda, this week, I, I think after much prayer, <coughs> had come to realize, I don't want to be Moses. She'll explain that to you, I think, I hope. I don't want to be Moses. God sent Moses to Egypt for a reason. And Moses was not honoring what he and God had agreed to do. And therefore, God wasn't, there wasn't anything happening. And Moses was concerned about it. And so I'll let, I'll let Pastor Linda if she so chooses to share the rest of that story. Amen. <laughs> Put me on the spot there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that, and I think I talked to Greg about it, and I'm just going to say this, is that um, you've noticed that I have said a few things like, well, does anybody want to replace me? Or um, I think that I'm done now. Or what? Or all that going on. And it's been going on for like oh, a year, a year, a year and a half. And so this week, this week, I finally got it. God has called me to be here. Amen. And I finally agreed. <laughs> and I'm connecting with that agreement with the Lord now. Instead of fighting him and going, well, can't you get somebody else to speak for me? Like Moses, can't you get somebody else to do that? I'll do this. I'll be the assistant or I can do women's ministry. But I need somebody else to speak. And he goes, no, I, you're Moses. I'm calling you to be Moses. It took me a year and a half, people, to finally grow into the shoes God put me in. Amen. So now when I speak, I believe Things are going to happen. Amen. All right? Yes. All right. So a little bit has been happening, but I think we're going to see a whole lot more happening because I finally put on my big girl panties and fastened them. Okay, so that's where I'm at right now. I needed to tell you, and I totally agree with, with uh, Butch, and I'm glad everybody's so patient with me. The, the board has been so patient with me and praying for me. My friend, Sally, you're not leaving. You've got a two-year contract. Well, that's an agreement I made with God. And why am I fighting the agreement with God and he has called me? It's because I hear all the other voices out there telling me that I'm unable, I'm unqualified, I don't have what it takes, I'm female. Okay, so that's what my message is today. Are you kidding me? All right. The message is based upon be still and know that I am God. Oh, I'm telling you, this is a whole new meaning to be still and know because... Sometimes that be still and know is to give us an excuse not to do anything. Now Moses was a go-up-and-getter. He, he says, I'm well able to go and do this. So he was doing a lot of stuff without the power of God behind it. Because he knew he could do it. But nothing happened. He, got, he spun his wheels, but nothing happened. And I believe God is really refining us as leadership, and even me as well, of course, to apply this be still and know stuff. And he gave me a huge message this week. Woke me up this morning with more insight for me. Um, and I'm going to share these things with you. We're going to look at Psalm 46. That's where we get that message, that passage, be still and know that I am God. We're going to look at Psalm 46. If you'll open that, we're going to read the passage. And it starts out with this. By the way, before I read it, it's going to give you what being still and knowing what God is in this passage. 
Doesn't mean sitting around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for God to do stuff. I was just talking to Kelly, Kelly earlier. She says, you know, I became, uh, I have a position now where I don't have to go into the office. I work with the real estate and I'm a voice. I go out there and I greet and meet people and bring business in. That is her job. That, you know, she's she not going to sit around and hope somebody knocks on the door and, and wants to sell their house. She has to go out and do some things. See, that's what I have to do. I have to do some things, but I'm going to do it now with God's ability in me to do it now. Okay, so let's take a look at this, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That means to me that we get in a lot of trouble. Tom made me a helmet one time because I would always get into trouble. He goes, you need to wear your pith helmet so that when you run into the wall, you won't hurt your head. Because, see, I would run a lot, and I'm pretty sure you all know that. Therefore, will we not fear, excuse me, therefore we will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried away in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with the swelling, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. And that right early. The heathen raged, and it goes on to say this. Come and behold the works of the Lord, with desolations he had made in the earth. He makes wars to cease into the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in sunder. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Now what I mean to say there, and I think as you read it, you probably got it yourself. To be still is to know he's our refuge. So when we're going through these trials and struggles and tribulations, to be still means to know he's there. He's our refuge. He's our help. He's there now, present help in present issues. Then, then when we get that, he will be exalted. Now, we talk about lifting Jesus up. It says, if you lift Jesus high, he will draw all men to him. We're doing something, aren't we? Are we just kind of twiddling our thumbs? No, we're lifting Jesus high so that God can be exalted. So being still doesn't mean sit around and waiting on God to do everything. But here's the balance. We need to know when to move. And I, and I put this title this way. Be still and know or do or do we let it go. Be still and know or do or let it go. Those are the things that we have a choice to make. So I had come up with a couple of definitions about silence and be still and know. Silence is holding your peace. Words and actions that are roaring in us, you know, we'll go, would you just bite your tongue? That's holding your peace, isn't it? But you've got something going on. But to be still, whoa, that's a deep knowing that all is well. It is well with my soul, that song says, to be still. 
believing he is stronger than anything that comes your way. That's how we are still. It's just knowing. When, when we're in here on Tuesday nights praying, we're still. But man, are we powerful in that stillness. Right, Gloria? The power. I mean, it hit hard. It hit hard Tuesday night. We had somebody coming from AA and got prayer. We prayed for somebody that was dying. You know, it was just beautiful to see the movement of God in our stillness because we know. All right. But there is a time that we need to take that knowing and speak up. I'm reminded of Butch. He has been speaking up about the casino in Plymouth for 20 years. He advocates for that, doesn't he? Is he just sitting around and being still and quiet and not saying what we No, he's having meetings. He's talking to the officials in the area. He's doing Zoom meetings. I don't know. He's doing all kinds of stuff. And he's still on board to that. I think he's still working against that. Because Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything under the earth. Isaiah 42, 14, and I love this. It says, I have long time holding my peace. I have been still and refrained myself, but now I will cry. Sometimes we need to say, God, is it time for me to say something? Like with Moses, it wasn't time for Moses to say something because he got himself into trouble. Matter of fact, nothing happened when he spoke. But when he spoke and then told Aaron what he needed to say, that's when things started happening. Because we need to listen to how God wants us to speak to one another. That's the balance. I mean, we can all, oh, I need to tell you everything I know and everything that God's doing and all. We can just get all caught up in that. But it's about us again. We need to go back off and say, Lord, when is it your time to speak? Because I know I need to. But when? And I'm going to show you some people in the Bible that spoke. I'm going to read this quote to you, though. I love this quote. I came across it the other day. It says, silence in the presence of evil is itself evil. You hang out with people and they're talking a bad talk and they're saying all kinds of things. Are you going to sit there and listen to it? That means you're agreeing with it. Or are you going to say, I oh, know, I think we need to talk about this a minute. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a Lutheran German pastor, a theologian, a theologian and anti-Nazi dissident, who was a key founding member of the Confessing Church. His writings on Christianity's role in the secular world had become quite influential. In 1937, he wrote a book, The Cost of Discipleship. Apart from his writings, he was known for his staunch resistance to the Nazi dictatorship. Man, he came against Hitler. Now, is that somebody who was just sitting around waiting on God? The way that we think we want to wait on God? No, waiting on God means you're doing a few things. Maybe you're just believing in the waiting. But you're doing something in the waiting. When you go to a restaurant and they wait on you, do they sit down with their menu, uh, with their little book, and sit down next to you and look at you? No, they, they're writing down, okay, I'm, wait, I'm your waiter. What would you like? See, waiting, we got to look at it. 
and have a balance on how we wait on God. So by April, I guess he, he was uh, imprisoned and then he was uh, home later that year, 1945. Are we willing to give our life to what we believe in? So it costs us all. And it's called advocating. We talked about it earlier. Um, Aaron became the spokesperson for Moses, who was God's ambassador. He was a representative of God. And I think we're all God's ambassadors, if the Bible tells us. Paul says the same thing. And I need to ask you, was Paul silent? Or did Paul speak up? How about Peter? Did he speak up? He did a few things. He actually did a few things that he should not have done, right? And he said some things that he should not have said. But he spoke them and said them nonetheless. And I'm glad he did. Because it shows us where we can do the same thing. And God can still forgive us and love us. Even Amen. though we mess up. Amen. I think that's why they left it in there. That's why they leave all that funky stuff in the Bible. So that we can learn from it. It's for our instruction and in righteousness is what the Bible tells us. They spoke boldly. Acts 9.27 when you see something wrong, what are you going to do? So one day, it was years ago, I saw a lady in the park. And she was uh, with this little, I think it was like three years old. And she grabbed him by the arm and hanging him. It was the most weirdest thing. I said, I went over to her. I go, do you want me to do that to you? Um, back in the day, I was really bold. Um, and she, you know, it's my child. I says, well, I'm sorry, but you don't treat that child. You're going to pull his arm right out of the socket. I abdicated for that child. I don't know what it did, but I knew I had to say something in the moment. So what are you going to do when you see something that's unjust? See, we need to be the ambassadors for Christ. So a couple of people in the Bible, Esther. Did Esther just oh, crawl under a hole? Do you know that she was afraid to go to the king? Because if you go to the king without being asked, you can be killed. So she actually went anyway. And she fasted and prayed with the people, though, before she went. She knew this was serious business. Esther 4.14 says, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. We talked about it in Bible study today. If you don't speak, God's going to send somebody else. And then you just lost something. You just lost a blessing. You just lost being used. I don't want to lose this, people. I'm telling you as a pastor here that I can finally say, I'm Pastor Linda. I'm not just a facilitator of the word, a teacher of the word. I'm actually now, can call myself a pastor. Because he's finally got a hold of me. That if I don't, he's going to send somebody else to take my place. Now, it's going to be all God's timing what he does, but I'm no longer going to be looking for that person to take my place. I'll let God do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. All right, let's let you know. Um, so Esther's advocacy saved the lives of her people. How about Moses? Talked about it a lot. We're going to be talking about him for quite a while here in in our Bible studies, Moses stood in for his people. His famous words were, he only had to say four words. He could memorize those words. Aaron did a lot of other talking, but Moses said, maybe Aaron said it too, I'd have to look. Let my people go. That's all he had to say, let my people go. And he used the rod and different samples. We're going to get into that in our Bible study. 
Moses was very apprehensive about speaking to Pharaoh as well. He was afraid his words wouldn't come out right, so God sent Aaron to speak. But here's the thing. Moses asked for help. How many times have you asked God for help? The help came and you go, I don't want that help. <laughs> See, God has a way of sending you the help he knows you need when you ask. It might not be in the package you expect. Nehemiah, he stood in for the people. Read the book. He left his job as cupbearer to the king. How many are willing to, lo to lose a wonderful job of all the benefits? I have a friend right now, and uh, she worked for a really big uh, business and made thousands of dollars, you know, 100, 150000 a year, just herself. That was pretty good, you know, back 10 years ago. She left the job to start serving God full-time, making $435 a month. And she lived on that for 10 years. She's not making much more, but she's still in there. But she, that's, where, that's where she was, and that's where she still is today. But you, to look at her, you'd think she was like a millionaire. God has met her because she gave up something that was taking care of her where she let God take care of her. How about the persistent widow? Okay, it's, a best, it's the parable about asking and being that squeaky wheel, you might say. Don't ever give up on asking God for things. Because you're too tired now. Oh, I've asked for 20 years. It ain't going to happen. No, you keep asking. You be persistent. She went to the king herself day after day until he gave her what she wanted. <laughs> so we have to go to God and never give up. How about Paul? He helped Philemon to take back Onesimus. Now, I spoke about Onesimus a while back. It's only one chapter long. You want to read it. It's an excellent story. Paul's appeal to Philemon was to convince him to do the right thing. So we have friends in our life that say, you know, I, I, why don't you consider this? You know, I see that you're going this way, but maybe this is a better way, but it's up to you kind of thing. That's how we can talk to each other. But he, he, he was telling Philemon to take back his servant who ran from him. You gotta read about it. It's amazing. So he was an encourager. He advocated for Onesimus. I don't even know how you say it. Onesimus. That's a very strange word. How many people do you know named Onesimus? I don't know of anybody. Okay. Uh, anyway, so then we have Nathan the prophet who spoke to David in 2 Samuel 7:17. Nathan uses a story to illustrate the seriousness of David's sin. He advocated, didn't he? He was, he was effective in talking to David about repentance. Have we spoke to somebody lately about God's love and repenting and things like that? How about Jesus? That's my last example. Jesus is our advocate. First <coughs> John 2, 2 through 3. My little children, these things I write to you that you sin not. But if any man sin... But if any man sin, we have an advocate 
with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Jesus is our advocate. He sits at the right hand of the Father advocating for you every single day. Are you willing to advocate for others? How do we advocate and be still? Isn't that a fair question? I like the question there. How do we advocate and be still? Quiet enough to hear him speak. <laughs> I love the passage that talks about 1 Kings 8. But he heard the voice of the Lord for direction in the stillness and the quietness. He wasn't in the storm. He wasn't in the thunder. He wasn't in the earthquake. He came in a little tiny voice. So let me represent the earthquake and all that rumbling. What's going on in our head? Can you hear the little voice of God speaking? So this is what I did. A couple, I think it was when I came up with this message, um, I prayed and I said, Lord, I'm driving, I think I'm driving to church. It was about a week ago. I'm driving to church and I said, Lord, I want you to get rid of all the lies out of my head. Amen. Now, is that a lot of stuff? Yeah. Do you think there's a lot of stuff in, there, in our heads? All the voices that have been telling me I'm unable, I'm unqualified, you're a lady, I, you know, you whatever, uh, you're worth and value, you are ugly, stupid. I mean, all these different things that voices tell us. And I said, Lord, get rid of all the lies. I want you to say that with me. Dear Heavenly Father, say it louder. Dear Heavenly Father, get rid of all the lies. In my head, in Jesus' name, I said that, and my head got empty. I thought I was blonde. Just teasing. Uh, but I did. I got the peace. The peace came like game blasters. And I have not left that peace. That's why I was able to hear God has called me. In this season, I would not have been able to hear that, people, if I was listening to all those other voices yelling at me that I'm unable. Amen. It took a process of this, of learning and growing and hearing and waiting and being still, that I heard the voice of God tell me, I can do all things because everything is possible for me. We know that, don't we know that intellectually? But do we really know that? He's going to make things, all things possible. Do we want God to be silent and still in our lives? No. We want him to be speaking on our behalf all day long. Here's the scripture, Psalm 83, 1 through 3. Keep not thou silent, O God. Hold not thy peace, and don't be still. Hey, if he's not going to be still like I'm speaking, then we can't be still. We have to know. We have to know God in this direction. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 121, neither slumbers nor does he sleep. Well, I like sleep.
sleeping. Does anybody here like sleeping? I like sleeping. So when I go to sleep, I want to stay asleep until it's time to wake up. God never sleeps. Do you know why? There's no darkness in heaven. It's one day. One day. I don't know how many days it's been in heaven so far because of one day on heaven is a thousand days on earth. So we've got a lot of days going on. But it's never dark. And days can strip, you know, come from darkness and light, darkness and light. Well, he never sleeps or slumbers. But he does make us do a few things like lay down in the green pastures beside the still water. Sometimes he's got to kick out the chair underneath our feet sometimes, you know, to get our attention. I like the song. It says this, Lord, move or move me. Isn't that a good prayer? Move, Lord, or move me. Because he's going to use us to do what it is he wants to have done. There's balance. Because sometimes when we try to help somebody, it's not going to help them, is it? Have you ever tried to help somebody and it just didn't help? It made it worse. And I think Butch hit it on the head this morning with our Bible study that maybe his agreement with God was at breach. Maybe he needed to go back and see what he, he agreed with God about because something wasn't happening. We have to go back to God and say, did I make an oath that I forgot? Did I say something about somebody that I don't remember? Lord, would you bring it to my memory, please, so I can fulfill the covenant we made with one another? I think sometimes a lot of our stuff doesn't happen because we forgot who we are. We forgot what we said. We forgot what we vowed. And God says, I've never forgotten it. I'm still living on that vow you made, but you haven't fulfilled your side yet, so I'm waiting. See, God does a lot of waiting as well. There's a balance. We can make a bigger mess sometimes, and I like this scripture, and I have to say it with salt. James 1.20, the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. I can tell you that every time we get all up, upset, we're not going to speak righteously. I'm the first to admit it. We're going to make a bigger mess. This is what the Holy Spirit told me this week. Our doing before praying can lead to unrighteousness. Our doing before praying can lead to unrighteousness. But we are God's handiwork, handiwork, his hands, his feet. If we are in silence, we need to ask God, when do you want me to move? So I'm going to close with this. Getting involved. It's a challenge. Mark 4:39, Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. See, in that stillness, Jesus got involved. He responded to the cries of the disciples in the boat. He spoke a truth about faith, about how their faith was depleted. Sometimes in the stillness and the quietness of our time, the Bible tells us to be still and know that I am God, of course, but it also says that you can be still and sit on your bed and wait upon the Lord to speak to you. We got to do this. We have to stop and say, Lord, how am I to advocate and still be still, still live the word that you want me to live and the life you want me to live? He is still on the throne. You can use that word 
there as well. To be still and know that God is on the throne. And we say that all the time, but do we really get it? Do we really understand that we have to get involved in that stillness? Most of the times we're battling these things in our mind. Like I said earlier, all those voices coming at me, all those things. And once I just said, Lord, get rid of the lies, there was nothing left. But his peace, his love, his acceptance, his understanding, his truth. It was so now, oh, oh, there it is. I was able to hear that still small voice that says, such a time as this, I've called you here. Sometimes we need to let things go. That means we're trusting God, don't we? Let go and let God. That means we're really trusting Him. And I like this is my favorite passage, and I'll close with this. The Lord will take care of those who trouble you. And I can find peace and rest in this. In 2 Thessalonians 1.6, it says this. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. The NIV says this. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. So as you're going out and advocating and, and wanting to represent God, and people are looking at you, crossing their eyes, raising their eyebrows, that troubles you a little bit, doesn't it? I always repeat this scripture, Lord, take care of those who trouble me. And when I do that, I'm back into the stillness of the Lord, in the quietness of my heart, and there I find my peace.